Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. So, John, welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board, sir. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Brilliant. So tell the audience, who are you and what do you do and who do you work for? Uh, I'm John Hudson. I am the Chief Technology Officer for Manchester Airport Group. Um, So as a group, we own Manchester Airport, Stansted Airport and East Midlands Airport. Fantastic. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that because I'm really interested in finding out more about how you run tech within a large organisation like that. But before we jump in there, I'm really interested in your journey to how you got to where you are. You've had quite a diverse background of companies that you've worked for in the past. Yeah, so I I started my career uh, as a software engineer and kind of throughout the, I think it's about 12 years, over 12 years now I've been doing it. I started out, I've worked for small companies with about 10 employees. I've worked for some big companies through to like multinationals um, and I've done everything from media to small agencies, big agencies, transport, uh, a little bit of everything really. And throughout that career, I've kind of done little things. So yes. I started off I started off in London. I was in, in London for about six and a half years and I worked at a very small agency that had about six uh, six people, three designers, three three engineers, and just building lots of small, small microsites. Um, opened me up to a lot of big brands, um, but it was very, very fast paced. Wow. And it was kind of every week you were starting a new website, by the end of the week you had to have it out. So wow. it kind of, it, it taught me to kind of really get through things really quickly. I've kind of moved on to working for, uh, I worked on some some large fast food websites for a while kind of building those out uh, i worked for time magazine for a long time oh, wow. I worked kind of over two periods i worked there for cumulatively about five years so working across their kind of whole uh, range range of magazine websites working a lot with advertising so that, that was really interesting yeah so it's quite it's quite a shift yeah it, it's i'd say it's different from anywhere else i've worked and i suppose everywhere i've worked previously has been around uh, software engineering and building things for the web and while we do that and we have uh, a really good web team at Ma- uh, manchester airport we also have, um, it, it's so much bigger. It's about kind of integrations of APIs and data. What I like to say is that we are, my team are kind of the beating heart of the airport. That if you think of the the terminal building itself and you go from flight information boards through to X-ray machines and body scanners, all that data flows back through us out onto the airfield. So working with people like Swissport and Menzies and DHL, all of that information kind of flows back through us. We work with Eurocontrol, um, who are over all of the skies in Europe. Um, so we're kind of sending information back to them, telling them when flights are going to be taking off and landing and everything like that. So in terms of what we do, uh, in terms of test and DevOps and all that side of things, it's not too dissimilar, but the end product is kind of very different, um, which is, which is I like a challenge. So as a tech leader in this space, in the airport, ultimately in your role, what is the problem that you're solving? The, the end goal for us is to get more planes taking off. That creates a better user experience because if we can get more planes to take off, then the user experience and how everything, how all the other planes are taking off means they're taking off on time, everything's going smoothly. So if we can get more planes taking off, that means the current experience is good. It means we can get more people flying out to more places. So we're not having to cancel flights or actually putting more flights on. So it's great for the user, 
great for the customers and it's great for us because we make some more money yes um how you actually get there the challenge that's the challenge we're trying to solve so it can be anything from trying to find individual issues right now that maybe maybe slowing things up through to implementing new technologies that can kind of streamline the workflow so as an example right now we are trying to and a lot, lot of people are kind of facing the same challenges as i, I get that but we're trying to um, monitor the turnaround of aeroplanes for example so we want to know exactly when a plane comes up to a stand when the passengers are getting on off and kind of taking timestamps of these so kind of refueling starts and ends baggage uh, is taken off baggage is put on passengers on and off all of those all of the stats now what we actually do with that data Right mm -hmm. now, we don't we don't have the answer to it. For me, I, I feel like that you need to gather all the data and then see what insights you can get out of it. Trying to trying to define what you need or like what what you're going to get out of data before you have the data is a recipe for disaster. Because mm. what you then try and do is manipulate the data to tell you what you want, yes. rather than it letting the data tell you what it what it is telling you. But we we have some ideas about what it could tell us, and we're going to look for those. But it's it's not really going to define our path. So, for example, if you had two aeroplanes, exactly the same model, exactly the same number of passengers, exactly the same number of bags parked up at gates at the exact same time. Yet one of them took, let's say, 20 minutes longer to take the same number of bags off. Then we could look at that and say, well, why did it take 20 minutes longer? Mm. Is it that you have, maybe you've got Menzies, maybe DHL, two, two different baggage uh, ground handlers taking off the baggage, oh, doing wow. it in a different method, for example. Again, I'm, I'm not going to go and look specifically for that, but it's just an example we've talked about that could come up that if one, if you have everything exactly the same, two, two scenarios, except one takes slightly longer than the other, why is it taking longer? Can we take learnings from from one way of doing things, pass it to one of the ground handlers who, who do it a different way and speed things up a bit? And if we can get 20 minutes back from every plane, then that starts to add up very, very quickly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love this, uh, the point you make around making sure that you're not, trying to get the data to fit get that round peg through the square hole type thing is the data is going to give you insights and it emerges from the data so john one of the things i find absolutely fascinating about airports is as you described this diverse collaboration of different companies trying to work together and working together with all the challenges that go with that but also the fact that your customer base is actually very diverse as well you want to speak to that yeah, so I, I think that when you look at any company, you are going to have a kind of a demographic of what your your customer base is. If you look at an airport, I can't think of a more diverse customer base than that. You have every age, gender, religion, sexuality, every every demographic is covered coming through an airport. And I, I find that a really interesting challenge. Um, for me, in order to best serve your customers, you need to, your team that are building the services for them need to represent them. So one of the big challenges I've got is trying to make sure I've got a, a really diverse team that can fully represent the customer base. Mm. So for me, it's important for me to have a team that fully represents the customer base that we're serving in order to actually build products and services for them that can make their, their life and their journey through the airports better. So, John, you kind of mentioned about having a diverse team. How do you go about doing that then? That must be quite a challenge in itself. Yeah. So... There's, there's the general topic at the minute uh, that, that a lot of people are picking up on. It's just really good, which is EDI, stands for Equity, Diversity and Inclusivity. I'll make a point to talk about equity, which um, a lot of people get confused with equality. And just to explain the main difference is equality is giving everyone exactly the same resources to succeed. But the problem is not everyone needs the same resources. 
So equity is about giving individuals the specific resources they need to succeed right. and making sure that everyone has what they need and not what everyone needs, if you understand. Right. Yes. So um, so as a very brief example, I've done this uh, talking about before. If you imagine two people trying to see over a wall, if someone could already see over a wall, they don't need two boxes to stand on. But if someone <laughs> right. can't see over a wall, you can give them all the boxes, then everyone can see over the wall. It's, mm. yeah, it, it's a kind of very visual visual example. Yeah, so what we're trying to do to MAG is we have an EDI uh, leader in, within the group called Richard Achille, and she's working very hard to kind of it's not just a case of going out and saying, right, here's a diverse workforce for everyone, go work with them. But helping everyone understand why EDI is important. Um, and Rachel's doing a really good job of that throughout the group. Um, within my technology, I've kind of taken on myself uh, as, as kind of chatting to our CIO. It's something I'm really passionate about. And he's kind of given that to me as something to, to work on in technology. I've got a question here around your style of leadership. So I suppose my style of leadership is, is to be... I don't like to micromanage. I like to kind of talk to people, get to know people one-to-one. I like to make it a kind of a very open environment. I, I don't have my own office. I work on, on the same kind of open office environment as everyone else, but I tell people I have a 100% open door policy, whether that's virtual um, or, or in, in the building. And from that point, once you've got the inclusive environment, how people then start to express themselves and talk about their backgrounds, their home lives, things outside of work, mm. that then starts to kind of come into it and people are able to understand different cultures. Um, and there's that, then I, I know what people need from that point. So I can talk to people, they'll tell me what they need um, and I can help provide that for them and help them kind of grow that way. So that's the kind of the equity side of it. Diversity is obviously a bit more around kind of the the hiring process. So it can be quite challenging. There's there's a lot of facts around it, but things like 80% of job adverts are never posted externally. Oh, wow. they'll, be in, they'll be internal, but a lot of things are done via referral. And while it's good to refer people you know because you can you have people vouching for them you know you're going to get good talent mm. people usually refer other people they know and yeah. are in their kind of same demographic groups so you end up with people a lot of people who look and sound and act the same and in order to kind of going back to like serving your customer base you need a more diverse group you need to make sure that you've got people who will challenge each other's views who grew up differently uh, whether it's and it's not just about physical traits. It can be about people having people in your team with neurodiversity, having people on your team who who come from a kind of a, a lower socio socioeconomic backgrounds. Because if everyone in your team is from kind of upper middle class, no one has the understanding that air travel is. Those people don't have the understanding that air travel is not not affordable for everyone. Mm. You want people coming in and saying, "How can we actually make this experience and not make people who." have never traveled in their life before. They're traveling the, for the first time on a plane when they're in their 30s. How do you make sure that they, they feel okay? They feel comfortable. They don't feel like, oh, should I really be here? Mm, yes. So it, it's really important to have that full full background. So yeah, when it comes to hiring, it's um, you've almost got to put in... Uh, I don't like talking about quotas specifically because I find that I, I believe in hiring the right person for the right job. Good, um, yeah. The counterpoint to that is the if if there is if only a certain demographic are doing that job, then the right person you, is always going to be in that demographic. So you you've got to look at like how you bring people in from the bottom. But um, I think for me, I don't I don't employ quarters for hiring. Mm-hmm. But I definitely employ quarters for interviewing, and I make sure that um, I am interviewing a whole range of candidates. Yes, that's a really good point. Actually, I love I love that uh, approach there and. 
I've got a question here around tech leadership or leadership in general. It's quite a challenging thing. Is there anything that keeps you up at night that challenges you and, and what you're doing about making that easier for yourself? I'd say one of the biggest uh, concerns I have at the minute is um, retention. Yeah. So if, if if I can create people who are, like create a team where they're really happy, they like working here, and they're going to be the champions to go out and get you other people to work there, then you don't have to worry about recruitment as much. You've also mentioned something here about a proper succession plan for yourself and and for other leaders in the organisation. You want to speak about that? Yeah, I think that whenever you're creating a team, you need to understand at every level that if someone is to leave, what is the succession plan? Now, I, I very much believe in promoting internally because the one thing someone internal has over an external candidate is knowledge of the business and knowledge of what they're doing. You could have someone with the exact same skill set who's asking for the exact same salary, but if you can promote someone, they have that knowledge of the business, of the ways of working, of how everything comes together, the the personal relationships with everyone in, in the uh, organization already, and that is priceless. Like I would rather promote someone internally mm. than have an external candidate come in at 10% of, of, of the salary. I will pay the, the, the candidate internally mm. more than I would pay an external candidate because of that knowledge. So yeah. that's obviously about, it, it's partly retention and it's partly about making sure that you've got say, that succession plan in place. So, and it goes from the very, from the very bottom rungs of, okay, you have someone who's uh, a line manager, so my team leads who, who have kind of two or three people reporting into them. If they leave, do we have someone in that team already who can step into that role? And if not, how do we get them there? Uh, and then that goes up to myself as well. So like right now I'm looking at my team and saying, if I if I get promoted, if I move to a different department, if I leave, who am I going to go to my, my current boss and say, this is the person you should promote and here's why. And I think as part of that, uh, when, when I first came into MAG, it was a very small team. They had gone through, obviously gone through a lot of, lot of change during COVID. And it was very much, uh, there'd been two teams kind of amalgamated into one, there'd been a lot of change. Um, and the first thing I, I, I kind of did, I was looked at the org chart and realized there was a lot of kind of the, the job titles were very kind of all over the place. So one of the first things I did was standardize the org chart, create standardized job titles. So everyone knew what the structure was. You go from associate to midwit to senior to lead to, to head off. And that's the kind of structure we've got. And once people understood the structure, it's like, okay, well, what's the difference between an associate and a midway and a midway and a senior and all that? So that's when I went on to create uh, what I've called the, the my competency framework. So for every level, it lays out competencies in leadership, in deliverables, in communication, in technical, and what I expect of an engineer or a delivery manager, whatever, it, whatever the role may be. What's important is that it's a full a full deck so you can see what's expected of people below you and above you. So you're not just a case of, well, this is what I expect of you, but if you want to get to the next level, this is what I'm going to expect of you. So it's a, it's a spreadsheet that people can fill in. So I, I give it to people as, as, uh, as a takeaway and say, work on this with your manager and your one-to-ones, go through it. First one, go through, sure, this, am I meeting this expectation? Yes or no, and give an example of it. So then what they can start to see is, how much of that role they're actually able to do. And then if they're meeting like 99% of it and maybe one or two things of the of the next level up, we can see that they're ready to actually progress on and do and, and to, to get promoted. So for me, that's a really good way of tracking where people are and who is the next person to step up. Um, yeah. And then the third step of that, after knowing what the what the org structure is, after knowing what the, um, the individual uh, competencies are for each role, 
well, how do you gain those competencies? How do you gain that experience, the knowledge and learn? So that's where we've implemented a, a training platform, Pluricite. Ah, yes, yes, we use that as well, yes. I find it really good. What I really like about it, it's compared to something like, I've used things like LinkedIn Learning in the past. I've learned use like Udemy and all these things. Um, what I like about it is they have skill IQ and role IQ. So you can go through and take a very quick test in the, in the things you learn, whether it's from Kafka to Kanban. It, it, it can be like all oh, your agile technologies, your kind of your hard skills and your soft skills, but you take a little quick test. It tells you, kind of gives you a grade of where you're at. But importantly, it tells you what your, where your strengths and your weaknesses in that area are. So you know where you can actually start to go through and so you can you can improve and it creates training paths. I've also got um, a training champion in my team. So my head of DevOps, Rob Hill, he's got a background in education as well. He was a college tutor, so he's kind of got degrees in that. And so he's got a really good background in teaching people and getting them getting them to learn effectively. So he's kind of took it upon to be my training champion to help create those pathways as well. So not only do we have a platform that helps you understand where you're currently at, where you need to go, we've got an individual who can go through it with you and look at it. So from that perspective, you then have, you know what the, the org structure is, you know what's expected of you, and you've got a platform and people to help you gain those those competencies. So that's how I'm approaching the um, the succession plan to make sure that at every point, every manager is going to their to their direct reports, making sure they know where they are and moving them on up and moving them on up so that if, if anyone does leave, hopefully I've got someone ready to step up into that place because that's what they've been aiming for the whole time. Fantastic. That's really good. I love succession plans. And it sounds like you're really thinking about how that happens. Because if you think about it, it is a risk to, to organisations to not have somebody that can replace somebody when they decide to leave or have to leave or whatever happens, you know, it uh, creates a more resilient organisation. So, John, as we come towards the kind of closing arc of our time together, I've got some really nice warm questions that I'd like to ask you around your experience and your leadership and, uh, and, what, and what you want for your kind of industry. So the first one is, what advice would you give to aspiring leaders out there based on your journey, your very meandering and uh, diverse background? I'd say, I think, as I mentioned at the start of this, don't plan things too much. Kind of enjoy the time you're in. Enjoy learning new things. It's really easy to kind of say, get in that mindset of, I really don't like doing this. But if you just tell yourself, like, pull your head out of your own backside. <laughs> yeah accept you don't know something and just try it from there and at any point you're in leadership it's okay mm. to say i don't know that every step you go up your remit gets wider and wider yeah. so there are things there are things that i did as a, as a front-end software engineer that's where i started and at every point i had to learn a back-end language i had to learn a bit of kind of uh, uh linux and docker and apache and all, all those kind of different things so at every point you get up so now a cto I'm over all of DevOps, all of testing, all of software engineering and integration. And there's a lot of things that I don't know, especially moving into a new industry. There's a lot of things I don't know about aviation. And I'll give you a really basic example here. Um, and it's nothing to do with software or anything like that. I Last week, I went to Ireland with my family to the Republic. Um, and when we flew back, we flew into T1 in Manchester. We got onto a bus and it bust us in and straight into baggage reclaim. And I said to my family, we, we haven't gone through passport control. And I was like, this this can't be right. I was messaging like people at work and they're like, yeah, there's there's the kind of there's the agreement that predates the EU that we can travel between. You don't need to go through passport control. Right. I didn't know that. I and my family were kind of laughing at me, like, don't you work at the airport? I was like, I do not know everything about the airport. Yes. Um, I don't know everything about aviation. It's okay to say, you know what, I don't know. Even in your area, there are things that I do not know about mm. technology. And it's okay to say that. 
as long as I'm looking at and saying, right, I'll remember that for next time. Mm, that's right. Or get the people around you that kind of know, know that. Stuff. Exactly. They've got that, they've got that kind of covers kind of thing. So yeah, interesting mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And any books or films or anything that's kind of inspired you along your tech journey that you'd like to kind of share and give a shout out to? Um, I read the, the Phoenix project. Oh yes. um, yeah. It's one of these classic uh, DevOps books that everyone tells you to read. And again, I, I'm kind of like, oh, do I really need to read these things? Um, and then you kind of, you do, you kind of tell yourself to read them. And I was sat there and I said something like, I'm, I'm getting a notepad out. My wife's like, I thought you were reading the books. I am. I'm just writing notes down um, about things to do. Um, there's the sequel to it, the Unicorn Project, which I need to read as well, mm. um, which kind of almost supposedly counteracts everything that the uh, the the Phoenix Project said. Mm. But um, but th that that's a really good book uh, to read. I think answer to that though i'd say that don't get yourself lost in um in books and blogs and people to follow um you kind of you, you can get you can get lost in what you should be doing what other people are doing not understanding what you're doing everyone's journey is individual every business is individual what someone else says they're doing is not going to be right for what you're doing mm. um and kind of a general life rule about what you see on the internet is people are only going to post the things that are going well people do not post the things that are, that are really going wrong some people do and that they can be valuable because you learn more from uh, mistakes than when you do success yes. but remember that people will only post about the successful things so don't kind of get disheartened when you're looking at things and saying oh everyone's using these new technologies and we're not and like hmm. just do what's right for you be positive about what you're doing and be positive about yourself yeah love it that's great and here you go i'm gonna offer you a wish from the tech genie what would you wish for, for your leadership, for your industry, or the uh, something that you're passionate about in tech? That's a good one. Um, I, I'm i very much into machine learning and AI at the minute. We, we, we're looking at that quite a lot. And we're looking at, um, again, for the plane turnaround stuff, we're using, using a lot of that. I suppose it's, it's a wish that pro probably I can help grant myself a little bit, but is, mm. I, I, want, I want to see more people taking on machine learning and AI uh, and kind of getting that as a skill. I think that's going to be one of the big things for the future. Mm. Um, I saw a really good blog the other day that, that was um, called, I think it's a photography project called um, As If It Never Happened, I believe it was. Right. Where someone had used machine learning and AI to take photos of ce uh, celebrities and rock stars and things that died and age them to see what they would look like now. Right. Um, and it's a really trivial, trivial use of it, but things like that could be a really good project to just get to get to grips with it and i think that um yeah my wish would be that we had more knowledge of that because i think the more knowledge of machine learning and ai we have um the quicker we're gonna kind of develop on and become a uh technology is just going to become a lot more fun fantastic love it that's great great wish great wish so as we come to the full stop of the podcast What's your final key takeaway that you'd like to leave the tech leaders out there listening to this podcast? I would say that believe in yourself and what you're doing. Everyone, including myself, has imposter syndrome. Kind of just remember that everyone has it. Ignore that. Believe in what you're doing. Um, try to look at your customer base and have your teams represent your customer base as best as you can. Create teams that are going to challenge each other, that recognize each other that accept each other for who they are what they believe how they identify if you can do that you'll have a really good culture it will impact not just your the satisfaction of your customers it'll impact the satisfaction of your staff and all that will just lead to a better business for everyone fantastic a great note to finish on john 
Thank you for your time. Thank you for being on CTO Confessions Podcast. Thanks very much. I really enjoyed it. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions Podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Lab services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.